You're listening to another great podcast in the Stoplight Network. Hi, and welcome to episode 40 of Three Geeky Ladies. I'm Elisa Paselli, and with me today are Suze Gilbert. Hi. And Vicki Stokes. Hello. How is everyone today? Good. Excellent. Good. Before we get started, I did want to mention that we got a lot of uh, nice feedback on our Breaking Bad episode, episode 39, that we did with Scott Wilsey from the Pocket Size Podcast. So I want to thank everyone for their feedback. It was much appreciated. And that feedback mostly came on our Three Geeky Ladies Google Plus community. And we would love for you to join. Anybody can comment once they're a member. They can start a new topic. So we'd love for you to join all of our contact information to Facebook, to our Twitter, to our email, Google Plus community is all on 3geekyladies.com with the number three spelled out. And one thing I wanted to mention is that Dorothy Yamamoto mentioned the Breaking Bad Insider podcast. Now, even though Breaking Bad is over and I've watched it twice, I went back and I downloaded all the episodes and I've been listening to each episode of the Breaking Bad Insider podcast. I'm up to, they didn't do it with season one, they started with season two. And I've already listened to season two, three, and four. And it's interesting. They're kind of long, but it's interesting to hear how they do some of the things that they did on the show, the different special effects they used, how they film certain scenes. Did you did you listen to that, Suze? I've listened to all of it because um, they had, I don't know if you ever saw that after Breaking Bad, there was a, a little... Thing called Talking Bad. Did you ever watch Talking Bad? Yeah. No, I've seen it for The Walking Dead. Oh, okay. Because they had Talking Bad, and a lot of times they would have the actors, or they'd have Vince on, and they would explain like a lot of things, which was really great. I learned so much from from Talking Bad. Yeah, this is the same idea because it's with it's with Vince. Yeah, I'm rewatching it just to let you know that. Yeah, I've already I already did, but I'm still (laughs) waiting for those last eight episodes to show up on Netflix. And no one looks as good as Brian Cranston does in Whitey Tidies, I just have to say. <laughs> it's amazing. That guy, I give him such, he has such courage. I mean, you think about it. How, how you know, confident or, you know, unegotistical he must be to actually shoot scene after scene with his Whitey Tidies. I'm just amazed at that because. But, you know, he, he did that in um, Malcolm in the Middle a lot, too. Did you ever see that? He was in Malcolm in the Middle? I never watched Malcolm in the Middle. I saw a few episodes. Oh, I never I never really saw the whole series. But according to the podcast, a lot of times when he was in his, his underwear, it was his idea. Yeah. <laughs> he felt that that would be the most appropriate for that particular scene. You know, like, like if oh he just goodness. woke up. Yes. Was, you know, yeah. that kind of a scene. It's like, well, he was sleeping in his T-shirt yeah. and his underwear. So he felt that. Yeah. When he, but it was that hilarious. he would, that would did, be what he would be wearing. So, but yeah, I would, I would recommend. Thank you, Dorothy, for that recommendation. It was yes, thank you. I've been listening, and when you get to season five, some of those episodes are almost two hours long. So they have a lot to say. But I've been, I've been listening to it as I've been doing other things, and it's, it's interesting to hear how they, how they, like I said, how they, uh, they come up with some of these scenes and how they, um, when they use a stunt double, when they don't how they did the makeup for different things. Just, it was, it was interesting. It was interesting. 
So, so since our last podcast, Suzanne and I got a couple of new toys. Yes, we did. What did you get, Suzanne? I got the new iPhone 5S, and I didn't get the gold because, you know, I have to have a black phone, and I've already, I think I've mentioned that. The gold would have definitely stood out. People would have definitely noticed it. But I bought the space gray. It's not all that much different than the 5S, but it is lighter. My husband has the 5, and he noticed, and so did my friend. But I compared the camera. I've been taking quite a few shots with the camera, and I have to say the camera's fabulous. Um, When you compare an image from the iPhone 5 versus the 5S, you will definitely notice that it's sharper. The light, the, the quality is better. The light is better. You don't have to really fiddle with the exposure. It seems to work a lot more intuitively and less noise, less digital noise. So all in all, I'm very, very happy with it. And I like the iOS 7 much better on the 5S than I do the 4S. Don't ask me why. I think it might, might be the larger screen. You know, it just, it seems to, it seems just it worked nicer, I think, on this phone. So if anybody wants to buy a 4S, let me know. It's in excellent condition. <laughs> and I, I only bought a bumper for this one. I usually love a case, but I bought the Glyph. Uh, the Glyph is a universal tripod mount for your iPhone. It's only 12 bucks on Amazon. It's a great stocking stuffer if you guys are thinking about Christmas presents. But you, it's really for caseless iPhones. And mine really doesn't have a case anymore. Because I, 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 someone said, if the iPhone was meant to have a case, then Apple would have included it. And I kind of think that's true because this is such a beautiful piece of engineering. I decided for the first time not to put it in a case, and I'm really happy with that. So... And I know you got a fabulous toy, Elisa. After much debate and talking with a wonderful husband, I ended up buying on his birthday, and I got the present. Isn't he good? Yeah. The 2013 MacBook Pro with Retina, 512 gigs of SSD. I really went back and forth because even with my son's student discount, there was still a good $500 more than buying last year's MacBook Pro that still had the hard drive but was non-retina. And we kept going back and forth, and I really felt bad about spending that much money, but I pretty much laid it out for him and said, here's the deal. Here's, here's computer A. Here's computer B. Here's how much it costs. This how much the other one costs. And he said, well, I think even though it costs more money, it just makes more sense to buy the latest and greatest. Because if this one's already outdated when you buy it, then what's the point? And I just said, I knew I married you for a reason. <laughs> so I, I went and I, I, I bought it, got my son's discount, uh, went to the Apple store, picked it up on his birthday, my husband's birthday in October. And it's, I, to be totally honest, I expected on a scale of 1 to 10 to be like, 12, oh my God, this is amazing. But it really is only an eight. Part of the problem is maybe my expectations are wrong. I expected it to be you open something and boom, instantaneously it opens. It's not like that. It still does take a few seconds. So like I said, it could be my expectations are wrong. But it is a thousand times better than what I came from, which was a 2008 MacBook 
running Snow Leopard that was so slow, the beach balls were killing me. I was having a problem with the battery that it would die in two hours. I was like, that's, that's not right. So I called Apple Care and they said that's not right either, that I should bring it in, that it could be something simple or it could possibly be I do have a bad computer. So I went to the Apple store this past Thursday and the genius there said a big part of the problem was that I migrated everything over from Snow Leopard rather than do a clean install. Mm-hmm. So as everything came over, a lot of the, not necessarily cruft, but you know, definitely cruft, but a lot of stuff that would work on a Snow Leopard computer wasn't made to work on a Mavericks computer. And that was just doing some funky things in the background that was eating up the battery life. So he went through and just went delete, 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 delete with a bunch of stuff. And that did seem to help. And his recommendation was to wipe it out and start again. Do a clean install and just bring things over little by little. That's going to make me cry because it's going to take so long. But it's possible that maybe I'll do it one day. I think the other big problem is iTunes. iTunes. What about iTunes? Well, one of the things that it's doing is I watch a lot of video podcasts. And when I... Put the, you know, when I'm done watching it, I throw it in the trash. The trash will not delete them. The only way to delete it is to either log out or log back in or close iTunes, empty the trash, and then open iTunes back up again. Never had that problem before. What about if you do secure empty trash? That will work. If I do secure, that will work, but it shouldn't have to be. No, shouldn't. No. It shouldn't be like that. So I don't know if that's something that possibly changed in Mavericks or it's because I brought everything over. I migrated everything over as opposed to a clean install. I have no idea. But in the past, I throw it in the trash, it would empty. But I get that little um, message box that says it's still in use. It's like, no, it's not. It's been deleted from iTunes and it's in the trash. The, the audio deletes, no problem. But the videos don't. And I, I don't know, but that this iTunes 11 has been awful pretty much for everybody. I mean, I tried to download, I, I wiped out my, um, my iPhone, and then I tried to use iTunes Match to download the music onto the phone. It was so bad that I had to wipe it out again and manually move the music back on. Wow. It was terrible. So does Mavericks feel almost like a beta to you? Do you feel it's like it's just, it's buggy or? Um... No, but sometimes I don't know. Because I came from Snow Leopard, because of my understanding is Mavericks is similar to Mountain Lion, I don't know. I don't know what's normal and what's not. Mm-hmm. Because this is all brand new. It's it's I don't want to say it's like it's come it's like coming from Windows in the respect that I mean Snow Leopard is just so different. Yeah, it's very much like Mountain Lion. I, I, I don't other than the little, you know, new brand new features, um, and in my opinion, it wasn't enough brand new features uh, that I that I would be willing to use. Um, it, it's very much like Mountain Line. I, I just didn't find, you know, I haven't had many issues other than the mail app. I, I had to take all accounts off and and recreate all my mail accounts. But I have, I've had that that happened in previous OS upgrades where. The mail app just acts a little weird. And I think it's because I have spam seed and a bunch of other things in there, uh, add-ons that cause issues. So, mm-hmm. 
Yeah, the problem that I had with mail, and this is the reason why I didn't want to do a clean install, because bringing mailboxes over is a pain in the neck. Because granted, whatever Gmail you have on the server is going to come down, but I have a lot of on my Mac mailboxes, and bringing those over was a real pain in the neck, even with even with the migration. But what I've done in the past is I've used Mail.app for my Gmail, and I've used Microsoft Entourage for my ISP mail. Because for some reason, if I forward my ISP mail to Gmail, half of it doesn't come down. Like there's something with my ISP that it doesn't forward the mail. It'll show up on their website, but not on Gmail. So I said, well, I'm going to keep Entourage. And I don't know what the deal is with Entourage, but I've made a bunch of backups of the data and my user account. And it takes up gigabytes. So I bring it all over. My mail's working great. My my Entourage with my ISP mail, it's working fine. I said, okay, I'm going to delete some of the backups. I had about five backups. I deleted two backups, tossed them in the trash. My mail still worked great. Well, for whatever reason, I restarted my computer. My mail was totally gone. My ISP mail. It walked me through the setup system again. There's something about Entourage that if you delete one backup, it's as if you deleted everything. Hmm. Even though those backups are still there with the data in them that has all your previous email. But for some reason, if you delete one, it's like you deleted everything. It makes absolutely no sense. What did the Apple forum say about this? Anything or? Well, Talking to some people on Twitter and what, what the conclusion that we finally came to and what I ended up doing is I created an iCloud account, which I never had before. So I have an iCloud email address and I'm forwarding my ISP mail to iCloud, which then comes down through Gmail into the mail.app. So everything is all in one place. Yeah. And then every couple of days I go to the ISP website just to make sure that everything came down. And then to delete, because I have it set up so that do not delete from the server until I do it. And that way I make sure I've gotten everything. It's like, what a pain. That is a pain. And there Definitely. Was some, yeah. And there were, some, there were some suggestions of trying AirMail as an app. So I'm, I might try that. But what I'm concerned about with Air, AirMail, and I haven't looked into it enough yet, is if I put AirMail on my Mac... Will it still sync with mail on my iPad? You know, so that I don't know. I um, I don't even know what to tell you because I'm still I haven't up I haven't upgraded to uh, MacBook Pro yet. But that I think that's what we'll end up doing is doing a MacBook Pro. Mm-hmm. But I've heard such good and bad about um, Mavericks. You know, again, you know, it's it's like with any iOS that for I mean, excuse me, OS that comes out. It seems like in the beginning, there's definitely some kinks, you know, to be worked out. Yeah. Well, the genius was saying that there has been some issues with the batteries. I mean, I looked online and I was trying to find some some stuff about the battery. I was trying to find things about um, the trash not emptying podcast and I couldn't find anything. But he thinks that there's that soon Apple will come out with some sort of um, um, upgrade for the mm-hmm. for the batteries. So we will see. Now, on the phone, of course, the big thing with the phone is the Touch ID. And that is, 
It's a novelty. It's definitely a novelty. I feel that that needs to be worked on because I have three fingers. I have my two thumbs and my, my index finger. And it definitely does not work as you really, if you want it to work well, it's best to not to have any case on your iPhone 5S. I find it's still particular though. It's really, I would say that if I did it 10 times with my index finger, I might get a 50% chance success rate. So five times I'd have to enter my password. Um, I think the concept is kind of cool, but really the only thing it allows you to do is just unlock your, right now, unlock your iPhone. And once you have it accepted, you can buy your purchases off the app store. But again, every so often it'll say, okay, you have to re-enter your password, you know, to enable Touch ID. So right now I feel that's more of a novelty. That's definitely not why I bought the iPhone 5S, but I just, I don't think it's, for me, to me, it's not that successful right now. Because when I hold my iPhone in one hand, like if I'm doing thumb texting, you know, I tried to get my thumb because you, when you, when you basically have your device read your thumbprint, it makes you have a grip and it's supposed to reread your thumbprint and kind of fill in the, the side angles and it still doesn't work. So I don't, maybe other people have had more of a success rate with it, but I haven't. To me, it just still seems like a little beta for me. So when you use your Touch ID to unlock your phone, mm-hmm. and then you go into um, the app store and you buy an app. Mm-hmm. You don't need to put in your password anymore. No, if you, it'll it'll just you can just put your thumb or whatever finger you you have in your little t- Touch ID library, and it will read it, and then you can buy the app right away. Oh, yeah. so you're going to be doing it twice then: once to unlock your phone, and then once to finalize yeah. your purchase. Yeah. Yeah. The home button is a little different than our old home buttons. It's more of a, uh, it's, I, it's more of just like an indentation that you kind of just gently press. It feels like, um, you know, you know, those, it, it, this is what it immediately reminded me of. Cause you know, I'm used to my little indentation home button with my depression and, you know, really pressing my thumb. Rem- you know, those little clickers that they train dogs with those, it, it, it's kind of a little metal indentation that you, you know, I don't know if you've ever seen it. I think no, they had some games that. like it. Yeah, it's, it's, I don't know, it's just not impressive, but, you know, I'll, I'll probably still get used to it. Otherwise, I think the design is really nice. But again, it's not that far off from the iPhone 5, but it does have the dual LED flash. And I'm not a flash user. I'm a natural light photographer. But I did test it out, and I thought it did a, a better job of flash, you know, instead of the harsh, you know, uh, white light that you get, you know, the deer in a headlight look. It is, it matches uh, more of the ambient light surrounding the person or the subject, which I think is nice. And the other thing, as I mentioned before we started the podcast, was the slow-mo video is worth the price of admission. Oh my gosh, do I love that slow-mo video. It's just fabulous. Like it, it is a lot of fun. I'm anxious to see what people do with it. It's pretty, it's a, that's a pretty cool feature. Well, what we wanted to talk about today was, after we've talked about spending money on a new phone and a new computer, are financial apps and websites. And Vicki, why don't you start us off since you've been so quiet? Yes, Vicki. <laughs> I don't have anything new. <laughs> <laughs> yes, okay. I know. That's why Suzanne and I had to go out and buy our own stuff. 
Nothing passed down to her sisters. <laughs> no, no, they didn't get anything either. either so, anyway, um, I my my um, financial app is a personal app, personal financial app, and it's called Check Bills and Money by Page Once Inc. Um, I will. In the, on the uh, site, uh, on the Apple site, it does say formally page once, but it still says by page once, Inc. I don't know what that's all about. So I, I think it's the, the name of the company is actually Check uh, now. Um, and what I like about it, I don't I don't have a lot of bills, but the ones I do are doozy. I'm telling you, they're big. Uh, so it didn't take me <laughs> long to put my date, my information in it, but I love the more the alerts. That's how I pay my bills. Um, I have set up with my um, personal bank uh, banks uh, app, which sucks really, really bad. Um, it, it's not very good at all. Um, it's not very consistent in terms of. Um, maybe I should review that first because that's the other thing is the it's the Wells Fargo app, and what I don't like about it. And I used to work for Wells Fargo. Isn't that a shame? Internet banking, as a matter of fact. Um, but, <laughs> They know they know that app is not really it's not that great. Um, what I don't like about it is that it decides when it's gonna send me my balances. I would have a I would have a direct deposit in my account, and maybe I get it two days later, three days later, or never. You know, um, and that's sort of weird. I don't understand what's going on with that. Um, one thing I do like about it as soon as I make a transaction. If I go to the grocery store and make a transaction, if I'm at the um, buying gas and in the minutes later, it shows up in the email that I made that transaction. And what I like to do is see what my current balance is and then sort of in my head look at, OK, I got this amount of money left and I just spent this amount of money. But I don't get that correlation. And sometimes my balances are not even correct when I get the balance on my account. Well, check is totally different. It does not do that. It tells me exactly what my balance is. Um, it keeps track of every bill when it's due. Uh, and it's really, really, really so simple to use. I was shocked at how quickly all the information was put in. I put my accounts in it. And uh, you, some of them I couldn't do, like my insurance, because I don't really have a, my insurance company has a strange way where you log in and pay for the bill. You have to put the account number in first, they have to search for your account, what state it's in, and all this other stuff, and then they authenticate you. Well, this, of course, there's a way that you can set it in there so that you can pay that bill, but it doesn't really have a way of going in and, and logging into your account and determining when you, when the bill is due. Um, and that's that's just because of the weird insurance company uh, website and the way it works. The other bills, my credit cards, utility bills and everything, you put your, your, your information in, your account number, and your uh, you have, it has to be an online account. Um, otherwise, I don't, I don't think it works. All of my accounts, I pay online anyway, so... That was nothing new to do. It tells you when it's due, your credit cards. It tells you um, 
if you're paying uh, in a high APR, and it suggests different banks that you that will offer a lower one, it tells you how much you're going to be paying in APR that year. It sends you out alerts telling you. For instance, they told me you are going to pay a APR charge of twenty four dollars thirty seven cents for this credit card, and but they didn't have any suggestions on how to improve that that account because uh, it has other. Um, uh, perks about it, but it, it warns you and it lets you look at the account and determine what charges you're going to be made. You have to make it tells you if you're going to pay a late fee and how much that late fee will be. Uh, it gives you, you can also set it up to um, check your credit score. Uh, I haven't done that, I, I don't like uh, other applications fooling around with that kind of information. Um, and it also has like different offers for you, the top credit cards, the top savings and, and coupons and stuff like that. Um, it uh, in, in the overview section, it has how much cash you have, less the number of bills. I mean, your total bills. Uh, you can look at that and even determine quickly. Oh, wow, I could actually pay off all my bills. Unfortunately, I can't. But <laughs> if that was your case, <laughs> yeah, you can see where your, uh, your, how you're balancing out. Uh, you can actually put your investments in here. Uh, I don't because mine's like this kind of 401k thing and it's sort of really difficult to figure it out. At least for me, it's difficult to figure it out. Um, and, but, uh, I do plan on putting that information in. I'm sorry, you guys. My dogs are just going to the bar. Oh, they're having a um, good time. <laughs> yeah, they don't <laughs> like when I talk about bills. <laughs> um, <laughs> and it also it has a list view where you can list all of your bills, total amounts due, and the minimal amount that's due on each bill. I like the minimal amount. It looks really nice. The total makes my hair spin. And then... Um, just a calendar, and on each calendar date, it has a little dot, and it's, a, it's I think it's color-coordinated based on when it's due and on, on each day when it's due. And I, I love that. I think that is way cool. Um, I just like the alerts coming in and the email because I'm so used to paying things online, and I have a couple of bills where I just had issues automatically paying it. Where things happen where it didn't automatically pay, that I become very paranoid about it. So the alerts are something that I really, really, really need. And I also like the fact that it tells me what my balance is, my true balance, and not some balance, the balance of uh, two, three days ago. Because that doesn't really give me very good information. And that's that's in comparison to my um, banking app, which, you know, it's really interesting because it pulls the same information from my bank. So why is my bank not able to send me my information? I know I, I do know why. So they send things out in a batch, and when they send it, they, the information may not be quite correct. Uh, it, uh, it's not up to date, um, and um, unfortunately for me, that's not good enough. Um, that's pretty amazing for a free app. Yeah, it's free. You know, I'm, I'm all about free. I, I, I don't see the purpose of having a financial app that you have to pay for. You know, I, I mean, I could have gotten Quicken and a bunch of other stuff because Quicken is really cool. It does uh, help direct connect to your banks and everything. But it's expensive, and I don't think it works very well on Apple. I would have to run it in um, Parallels of VMware or something like that. To 
That's what I've heard about Quicken, that it's really good for Windows, but not so much for Macs. Yeah, I don't mm-hmm. know if it works on a Mac. Yeah, I know when I was, uh, here's a shout out for Tucson, the T-Mug group. Um, when Quicken, there was a lot of discussion about Quicken, how it was not working well, you know, with the Macs. And people are really upset about that because I guess Quicken has a huge, huge following. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Quick, Quicken is I think it's Quicken Essentials. Another one. I I really hate that one. That's just not good at all. <laughs> yeah, and it was really a good product. I mean, it's a really good app, but on, on Windows is it's great. It's still the same. Well, the one that I was looking at is more of a. Um, generally speaking financial website and it's called bloomberg b-l-o-o-m-b-e-r-g.com there's also an ipad app for it now bloomberg is there's a lot of different uh features on this website you can look at news about different regions of the country you can look at news about the different markets stocks bonds industries healthcare, transportation uh, you can look at arts and culture the environment it's all kinds of news, economy news that relates to that particular market. So it's more of a generalization, more not for you specifically, but like how how the economy is affected by Apple releasing the new iPhone. How is the economy affected because the stock market uh, just jumped 20 points? It's, it's kind of more of a general thing like that. And there's all different kinds of topics on here. The one thing that I did like is if you look at the personal finance tab, again, they have generally speaking information about savings and investing and real estate and financial advisors, retirement planning. But what I liked were two different things they have at the bottom of that menu. The first one is the watch list, which is your portfolio tracker. So if you are, even if you're not investing, you can sign in with a name and a password. They don't ask you for a lot of information. And you can put stocks in that either you currently own or that you just want to keep an eye on. And you can monitor them on this watch list. So you can keep track of how uh, a particular stock is doing. They also have things like benchmarks. So you know how does that stock compare to the Dow Jones average and the S&P 500 and, and so forth. The other thing that I like about this, on the personal finance tab, are the calculators. And they have a calculator for a currency converter, a mortgage calculator, a retirement calculator, and a 401k savings calculator. So for example, if you open up the retirement calculator, they have some information that's already filled in for you. It says, for example, if you're 25 years old and you expect to retire when you're 65, and you currently have $5,000 in your retirement account, and the rate of return is 6%, how much would you have to invest every year in order to get a million dollars at retirement? So based on those figures, you would have to contribute $6,129.23 a year to have a million dollars when you're 65. Now, conversely, if you said, well, I'm 25 years old, and I want to retire when I'm 65. I have $5,000 in my account right now at 6%, but I'm going to put $4,000 a year into my account. How much will I, um, let me change that to $8,000. How much will I get back? If you contribute $8,000 a year, 
For the next 40 years, you will have $1,289,524. So there's different ways, you know, so you can either say, how much will if how much will I have if I put in this much money? Or how much do I need to put in to get this much money? So I thought the calculator was really a really good thing. Yeah, so I think I think Bloomberg is good for um, more general information, as opposed to yeah. you specifically. But the calculators, I think, are kind of nice. And it's quick, you know, just a couple of seconds, fill in the blanks, boom, you have your answer. So, Suze? Oh, gosh. Okay. Please, if you're, I just want everyone to know that I, I am a feminist, but I don't do finances, okay? That's what my husband's for. Because <laughs> if anybody knows me, they'll know that math is not my favorite subject and especially budgets what's a budget really come on so thank god my husband is the clear-headed one of the team here but there is an app that i really like even for i would say like budget dummies like me and it's called mint it's it's a hugely popular app in the app store i first heard about it from tmug um they had mentioned it and had done a little overview and and when they did the overview i'm thinking wow um maybe just maybe i could figure that out i really hate budgets i just i'm not a budget person but anyway i downloaded it it's a free app it's compatible with the iphone the ipod touch and the ipad so you can have it through all your devices and you have an account so when you first open up this app you're going to be asked to set up an account and it is encrypted. It's pretty. It's a secure connection, which you always want to make sure of. And basically, you when you open up the app, it will ask you what you have your account with, what bank. So you can select from a whole bunch of different banks. So of course, I have the Chase app because we use Chase Bank, and I have I, I just basically put in Chase, and it finds your account. And so then it sets a budget for you. A, a Basically what it does, it looks at your past expenses for the past um, like six months and what your spending habits were, and it sets a budget. Now you can basically put your retirement funds in there, your investments, your mutual funds, anything that you have, you can put and it keeps track. But it also, what I like, is that you can... It, you know, you can set the budget amount. So those are totally, um, basically, you can either set them up or down. So I like that part of it. It's got the wonderful interface with the iOS 7. They just had a, an update for it. And so it looks at what you've used. Now, not so much checks, but basically if you do online banking, that's what it's ta- gleaning its information from. But, for instance, you know, it'll tell you how much you spent on uh, restaurants, your groceries, fast food, gas and fuel, you know, mortgage. I really like this app. And it also, you can put your credit cards, your loans in there. And it does a pie chart, which, now see, I love statistics. And I love the pie charts. I'm a pie chart girl. And I really like that very, very much. So it has, it's all different color coded for the pie chart. And it'll tell you how much you have, you know, uh, left over because it starts at the first of the month. So it also gives you tips, you know, for saving money, for budget, you know, dummies like me. It'll give you tips. 
And it will also tell you your top spending categories. I love the fact that when you open up the app, you immediately see how much you have, you know, what your budgets are, how much cash on hand you have, and what you're spending on. It's just extremely well done. It also, when you have the pie chart, it, you have spending by category, and you can swipe that, and it'll say spending over time, and that will give you a bar chart from August to November, and then you have your net income, and it will tell you your net income. So I just think Mint is just a very well thought out app. I, I understand why it has five stars in the App Store, because even if you've never ever done a budget uh, and you don't like budgets, you can do this. You can do it. And, you know, especially with the new year coming up, that's mentally, I think everybody thinks New, year res, New Year's resolutions. This would be great is to download Mint, set up your account, get all of your um, and you know income uh, and your um, checking and savings and all your accounts in there. And then you can access it through your iPhone, on your iMac, you know, through, throughout all your devices. So you constantly have it the uh, most up-to-date information. And... I just, uh, it also has, you know, you can put your property value in there. And, and what's really nice, these tips, it says, like, for instance, it says you've spent over $500 on groceries. So you can get 6% cash back, and it'll tell you how you do that. So I love, I love those little savings tips as well. So it's a really nice way to monitor and manage your money. So mint.com or mint. It, the mint is... Uh, the app and you can go to mint.com and set up an account there as well. Well, the one that I have for the, the iPhone is similar to, to Mint and it's called Dollar Bird. It's $1.99. It requires iOS 6 or later and it works with the iPhone, the iPad and the iPod Touch. And what you do is you, it's like a calendar and you add your income in so, for example, if you have a $2,000 check on the first of the month, you would just put plus $2,000, and it would show that balance of $2,000. If you don't spend any money for the next three days, it shows $2,000 for the next three days. When you go in and you deduct $50 for gas, it drops your balance down to $1,950, and it will say minus $50. So every time you make a you add something, it shows that day on the calendar. And when you spend money, it shows the minus. And then you can click on a particular day and it will show you a list of everything that you spent and what the grand total is. Then it will show you uh, percentages that you spent this percentage on groceries, this percentage on clothes, this percentage on utilities, this percentage on your mortgage, etc. So that you know exactly where your money, and then next to it, the exact dollar amount, so you know how much. And then it shows you for each month how much you spent for the entire month and how much of that, how much your income was. When you, when you choose to, um, to put something in, say, again, $50 for gas, it gives you different, um, there's already some different categories there, like groceries, household travel, transportation, clothing, medical, education, etc. And with what you when, what you need to use isn't there, you can make your own categories. They also have reminders so that if you are uh you know that once a month, you know, like the first of the month you spend $500 on rent, it will 
automatically take that $500 every month on rent, or it can remind me, you know, remind you to don't forget you need to, you know, pay this bill or subtract this amount of money from your, you know, from your, your tracking. So it's, you can also has a five-year financial projection based on what you've been putting in. You can set up the reoccurring transactions. You can set up reminders. You know, don't forget that you have to pay this bill or that bill because maybe the bills are different each month. So you can't do them on a recurring basis. Um, I I, th- I thought it, it looked it looked pretty good. I mean, I kind of have something as far as the recurring. I use Fantastical to remind me to pay certain bills, but I've I've never really used any kind of a budgeting app like this. But this one looks kind of cool because it lo- and then they have a little video on the website that shows how to do it. It looks like it is just so simple to set up and so simple to use. But you have also have to get in that habit of saying, I went to Starbucks and I spent $4 on a coffee and open up your phone and remember, put in $4 eating out or food, you know, however category you want to do it. So, so you have to get into that habit. do this Emmanuel, yeah, the Ew. <laughs> yeah, so like, you know, you, you go you go to Macy's and you spend $100 on clothes, you would just open the phone and you would just put $100, you know, today's date, $100 clothes. And then at the end of the month, you could look and you could say, wow, I spent, you know, $700 on clothes this month, or I spent, you know, over the course of the year, and then you could kind of look and say, this is what I'm, okay. spl- especially if, you, if you're like, um, okay. like a young couple that's looking to buy a house, mm-hmm. but you have no idea where your money's going and you make a lot of money. Mm-hmm. You can look at this and say, wow, we're spending way too much money eating out. We're buying, you know, spending way too much money on clothes. That's where we need to pull back. Yeah, this, that's a budgeting app. Uh, yeah, well, it's my, the ones I have were like for, you know, checks and financial uh, payments, you know. Yeah, so that, yeah, you're right. That's a good idea. It's more detailed. Uh, instead of just saying, oh, these are your credit cards, this is the, these are your loans, it's not, it's category, so you can really pin down. Right. The very, uh, so that if you say, yeah, because I mean, obviously, if you're spending you know, $100 a month on gas for your car, well, you got to get to work. And if you work half an hour away from your home, you don't really have a whole choice. You know, there's not a lot of choice in the matter. But if you're yeah. spending, you know, $100 or $200 a week eating out, Okay, start to, you know, it's time to brown bag it. It's time to start putting food in the crock pot before you leave for work in the morning so you'll have dinner ready when you get home at night. And those are ways that you can save money so that you can buy that house or go on vacation or pay for your child's college or whatever, you know, whatever the goal is. Yeah. It's a good way of seeing where your, where your money is going. Because sometimes yeah. we don't realize how much money we're spending until you sit down and you go, wow, did I really spend that much? And that's what Mint does, too. I mean, you set up your budget, and it'll tell you immediately, you know, how much, if you're over. I mean, you're in the green if you're under, and it's red if you're over. So you know how much, and you have that month-to-month and yearly comparison, which is really nice. And also, you just mentioned a good point, Elisa. Um, Mint does the same thing. It'll set you reminders when bills are due, so you never have to get a late fee, you know, or a late charge. So that's... that's uh, I think all of these, you know, it's just really nice to know where your money's going, especially as you get older and you're, you know, facing retirement eventually. So my last app for, I only had two this week, so that shows you how much I really don't like dealing with finances and budgets. But this one is kind of similar to your dollar bird, Elisa. It's called Budget, and it's (laughs) B-U-D... 
It's B-U-D-G-T. There's no E in it. It's gotten probably three or four reviews, uh, four-star reviews, so it's not too bad. It's 99 cents in the App Store. It is an iPhone only app, but you can put it on, of course, on the iPod Touch and the iPad. So if you're looking for this on your iPad, just make sure you select iPad, uh, excuse me, iPhone only. But it's one of those apps that is interesting because like Elise's Dollar Bird, you have to manually put everything in. But I think this would really be good if you were traveling. Like say, for instance, you were using a different currency and you brought maybe $2,000 worth of cash. This is just hypothetical. Because they don't, it's not necessarily dollar amount. So if you put that in at the start of your trip and then you put in, you know, your espressos and your train fare and your subway fare, what's really nice about that, again, they do a pie chart, but they, it, it, when you put it in manually, it keeps an active budget for you as far as how much you're spending and how much you have left. And that's really nice when you're traveling. It also has, if you're doing it just with dollar amounts, uh, it does monthly, and you can put in, like with Elisa's Dollar Bird, you know, your food, your clothes, uh, you know, your rent, and it will make pie charts for you. So you know how much of your income or the money that you have budgeted out, what it's being chewed up by. And it goes by day or by month, so you can keep, you know, a, mo uh, a monthly track, and you can also keep a daily track. But I think it not being currency just putting in the numbers it's nice because if you have euros you know and you basically uh, have like 2,000 worth of euros it's I think something like this is really nice so you know where you're spending it on and you know um, how much you have left so you're not constantly because those ATM fees when you're in Europe really kill you so but you can put in your insurance and you know have everything deducted from your income it, it's nice not that I would Really, I, I like Mint better because Mint to me, I like the fact that it keeps track for me. I forget stuff. Like if I go out and I buy a cup of coffee, I'm going to forget. I, I'm, I'm not so good about something that I'm going to manually put it in. I was terrible with a checkbook. I'm not going to be much better with an iPhone. I would much rather the app do it for me. I am a lazy budgeter. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a budgeter at all, to be honest. No, I'm not either. <laughs> The one thing I like about all these apps is that, you know, they interact with your bank. There's no entering into a check register and missing a penny or 10 cents or whatever. It's yes. going to balance pretty well unless something happens with your connection to your bank. You know, there's no reason for you to uh, have an issue. That's, that's another thing is that I became very obsessed with my account because one time I drove down to Southern California, used my ATM card, and... Uh, I guess someone had one of those scanner things, and they, before I could even get down to Southern California, because they were charging things on my account. Fortunately, <sighs> they weren't charging very much. I don't know why. It must have been kids, you know, or something. It was like very small amounts of money. Or maybe it's one of those little teaser things where they just charge a little bit, and then they try to charge something big. But I called it almost immediately because I went to my, at the time, of the bank I had that it will, if you go to ATM, it will print out the last five or ten, I don't remember, transactions. And I re realized that those were transactions I made, called the bank, they stopped them. Of course, I had to, you know, turn or cut up the, the ATM card, but at least they, they weren't able to charge anymore. Um, so I became very obsessed with getting an email for every transaction that comes through my account. 
because I don't like going inside uh, to pay for gas. I like to just get the gas at the pump. I don't like leaving my car when I go on a road trip. I like to stand right near the car or lock the car up. I don't, I don't like to take my purse out. I'm just very particular about what I do. And so I didn't want to change that method of, of how I handled things because I had a friend that did that, left her car with the keys in it at the gas station, came back and she was on a road trip and someone drove off in her car. So um, that's sort of scary. And, um, um, and all of these things with your money is very, very scary. So I'm... I'm I like them. I like anything that's going to be automated. I like the mobile apps. Um, and some people think that's a negative that it's more related to mobile. No website. I really don't like going on the websites. It's just, it means logging in, sitting down at the desk, doing, and I'm not that kind of person that's going to manage my finances that way. So that's my little spill on financial apps. Yeah. And if nothing else, I think they're good as reminders. Yep. Don't forget, I have to pay my mortgage that this this date. <laughs> and don't forget, I have to pay my my electrical bill on this date, or you know whatever. Because sometimes a lot of they don't send you coupons anymore. Nope. I know when we first got our mortgage, we got a coupon book, but then you have to remember to go to your coupon book to make that. You know, and same with our with our car payment. And what they do now with the car payment is they just automatically take it right out of our checking account every month. But mm-hmm. we do get something in mail that says, okay, we're taking you know this amount of money out on this date, and then your balance will be this much. So we're still getting that piece of paper, but I don't have to do anything. They just automatically take it out. But for those people who still have to pay it, whether they have to go to the bank personally or whether they just write a check or whether they do it online, it's nice to have those reminders to say, okay, make sure you pay this bill. Exactly. Yeah, and like you said, those graphs are really cool. I, I've always yeah. wanted to see something like that. Now you can do that with my bank, but I don't like logging into that account. You know, it, it requires logging into a website. But on my iPad or on my iPhone, I can actually see graphs and stuff showing me where yeah. my money is going and and percentages and stuff like that. And and they're reminding me that God, you're paying a high APR on this card. It wasn't at first, and then I forgot, you know, that I need to switch or or call them up and say, right. hey, can you give me a better deal? Uh, and those right. are the, sort of like those teaser things you, to get you to put your money in their account. And uh, next thing you know, the, the, that that bank, uh, that credit card is, is just as worse as the one you had before. So, Right. And, in, and to see, and even if you're not saving for a particular goal, you don't need a new car, you're not going on a trip, just to look and say, I spent how much money on something, I don't want to say frivolous, but something that maybe you don't need to spend as much money on, like going out or going to the movies or, you know, going out to dinner four nights a week. Do you really need yeah, to go out to dinner four nights a week? pizza every night. <laughs> yeah. You realize or, you know, do you, yeah. Do you have to go to the movies? <laughs> oh, that sounds good, though. Go God, movies? I love pizza. <laughs> yeah. I know. Or go yeah. to the movies every <laughs> other Saturday night, you know, or maybe how about taking the money for that you would spend on a movie and, and, getting Netflix. Or like I discovered, I could actually go and pick up the pizza and save like $10. Yeah. You know, one this local pizza place, if you go and pick it up, it's like $10 cheaper. I'm like, what? <laughs> Are you serious? Right. And especially when it's a mile away, you know, so yeah, it's but not it's right that far. In the, in, in the middle of the week, not on the weekend. It's like a weekend, a weekday thing to, to get people to come and not have to have their drivers come to you. So I was like, oh, good. Right. Life. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. So I figured if you got pizza, 
every Wednesday night, that was just your routine, is every Wednesday night you ordered pizza, that's $520 a year. Yep. I just drive by and pick it. I order it in my car and I drive by and pick it up before I come home. Exactly. Eight dollars instead of eighteen dollars. Yeah, I mean five dollars. You know, five hundred twenty dollars a year is you know a cruise. It's uh, you know a a, a vacation. It's a new phone, a new iPhone, or a new iPad. Yep. And it was painless. Yep. And I I noticed also Domino's has one too, but their pizza uh, is just a plain topping pizza. This pizza place is a local place. Any pizza. Any kind wow. of pizza, any game number of toppings. Though they 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 really get out big on me. That only like cheese pizza. So, but hey, eight dollars. Hey. Yeah, really. That's great. Yeah, that, that's like that's like three meals for me. So. Well, since we're talking about pizza and I didn't have lunch, I think maybe oh, we yeah. should wrap up so I can go eat something. <laughs> yes. But I, too. yeah, I lunchtime for you. Yeah, early lunchtime. Yeah, <laughs> I early. And, uh, so we're going to wrap up this show for this week. Uh, if you have any financial apps that you love to use or websites or any tips that you would like to share with us, like I said earlier in the show at the very beginning, please share them with us at 3geekyladies.com or on our Google Plus community. We would love to to share those, you know, have you share those with us and then we can pass them along. And I want to say thank you for listening and we will talk to you next time. people my name is peter bird and i am the host of the deep look podcast the idea behind the show is that we talk to our guests and we learn more about them the subjects the people the things that shape their lives or the things they're interested in or the things they would possibly want to know more about basically we just like to look a little deeper and see what's there and to learn if that appeals to you or you like that idea or if even if you have a guest that you think we should try and speak to then Come on by and give us a go. We are part of the Stoplight Network.